0: I don't know whose idea these podcasts were, but uh, pretty genius. It was Luke's. Luke? (laughs) Pretty genius, Luke. (laughs) Luke, thanks. That's the
1: only reason we hired him is because he thought, well, podcast. He said podcast in the interview somewhere. I'm like, God, that's genius. Yeah. We should do that. Go Uh, go buy the equipment. (laughs) Yeah. The ones
0: I've seen so far have all been great. So Good. uh, Thank you very much. Well, we hope
1: to get more. So people, we need people to come and give us suggestions like 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 you you just did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was almost more better? Is that a word? <laughs> was it, it louder? Is it did. It's more better a word.
2: <laughs> Gooder?
1: I'm, not, I'm not starting off well. <laughs> I've started off with more better. <laughs> That's why we gotta do the be exercises. Better er? <laughs> okay, so what we're gonna do is we'll start off by introducing yourselves. And we'll start with Ken Anderson, then we'll move over to David P. Rocco. What's, what's e. the middle? David E. Rocco. So DER?
0: DER. No, my parents, their big originality in life was all of their kids have the same initials. Ah. My uncle did the same thing. All of his kids have the same initials. Yeah. Stupid. My DER, she's DER, my brother's DER, my cousins are all J-E-Rs. Yeah. My, my
1: family thing was your initials had to spell a word. So I'm J A W so Jaw ja. my dad is S E W so so I promptly did not did away with that family tradition
3: <laughs> Didn't like I mean, it good, the, good nicknames grandparents we should start using that now Yeah
1: there you go Jaw Okay he's playing with buttons over there so Oh no you guys are good Oh the first person I've had in a long time to tell me I'm good. I didn't. <laughs> I haven't told you that today. No, you don't ever tell me that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the kitchen table. I'm Justin White. I'm sitting next to Josh Winter. We will be your amateur podcasters again today. Much to Josh's dismay. He hates when we call him amateur. So you be the professional. Like I said, you're the talent. I'm the emcee. I'll kind of guide us through this and you just entertain everybody. How's that
2: sound? (laughs) Um, Well, I'll do my best. Um, I don't know how entertaining it's going to be, but I'm going to have a good time.
1: Your best is far better than mine. has been proven <laughs> four or five times so far. Um, we're rolling along with these podcasts. Thank you, f- everybody, for listening. Um, for those of you who are listening, please let other folks know uh, to listen as well so we can uh, uh, get this information out. Um, been a great ride so far. We're learning a lot. Um, we're in pub ed this time. Our pub ed studio, so our kitchen table's been moving around a bit. We started in the studio, we've moved into the uh, training think, conference room. Yeah, studio training conference room. Now we're in the Here. pub ed conference room.
2: However, we did we have a plan for getting out to a fire station.
1: We do, so we do, and, not, and that just perked up Luke's ears. Yeah. He hasn't heard that yet, yes. but I'm working on that um, on a C shift. Yes some station in the city so we're not going to talk about which one yet no because i'll because ruin it it won't come together right yeah yet. plan. But the
2: plan will change
1: the plan will change it always does but we do we do pace right yes primary alternate contingent and emergency good job thank you Way to go. put me on the spot right there and i actually <laughs> felt my blood learned. pressure <laughs> I'm go up glad you're learning <laughs> i'm glad you're learning all these things and you're be molded and shaped into a leader for the csf d Did you see where I'm
2: writing PACE down Got in it. emergency?
1: Learn, Got learn it. Learn PACE. All right, today we're talking about On Deck. We're talking about... It's new, fairly new to our TAC-Op. It's fairly new to our operations, although I would argue we've used it before in the past. We just didn't have a word for it. So, like outside work, We've asked companies in the past to do outside work, care, take care of the utilities, that type of thing. We just put a name to it. Uh, we've had groups on ready stand- standby, so to speak, in the front yard, ready to take places, transition and work as, as, as needed, but we've never had a word for it. Yeah. Ready standby or otherwise, so we chose on deck. That, uh, that verbiage also is, is, is used by blue card. However, we're not going to blue card. Yeah, but we don't I, need Blue Card. I think I think we're covered um, from what Blue Card is. Although many departments around us use it, many departments in the Denver Metro area use it. I don't think it's a necessity to us. And actually, I've talked to some departments in that area recently, and they're talking about moving away from it.
2: Oh, that's interesting.
1: They've got what they needed from it. So if you can take pieces of it, very very valuable tool. Yeah, very, which very good. Which is system. I think
2: what we should do with a lot of things in the fire mm-hmm. service. I mean, I th- very rarely is there a time that one book or one method matches everything that one department does? Mm -hmm. So I think it's really great that we can look at it and go, okay, we can take this piece out of it and it works for us Mm -hmm. in this situation. And that's okay.
1: And I'll one of those pieces and actually, um, as I transition, um, from initial incident command to me taking command, I use a bit of blue card. So the me showing up, um, getting a grasp on where everybody is and, and what they're doing, and then me having the incident commander, I tell you what I think is going on and then you confirm that before I take command, that's a blue card. That's blue card that came out of that class. I took it, I don't know, five or six years ago. Where'd you um, take it? I took so, it here when I was in the training division. Okay. Yeah, and I just I was just interested to see what all the hubbub was about, so to speak. Um, took it and it, it's good, it's got a lot of good points and it brings some organization uh, to your incidents, but like I said, I think we have what we need um, to do very well in incident command. We can always get better, of course, and that's where we take little pieces of things here and there uh, from places like Blue Card to, to make things better for us and, and work more smoothly and more efficiently. Yeah. More so. better? more better. actually. (laughs) I don't know why that just popped into my mind, but it did. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's as if I said it before. Um, So we've taken some of these things to become more efficient, and we see, you know, it's important for us to to self-reflect as an organization. It's important for us to self-reflect as individuals, recognize our weaknesses, and try to improve on them. And and I think that's kind of what we did here, right? We we have this gap and we don't, we're we not quite as seamless as we need to be in the transition uh, from one group working to the next, you know, when we run out of air in an IDLH. So how do we fix that? Right. And, and this is one way to do it.
2: Yeah, and I thought, and this is the perfect kind of venue to put it out because it's a communication piece as well. Um, like what we talked about is how do you, what words do you use? What's the terminology? How do we implement it? And um, I thought that during this podcast, you know, we touched on that very well because those are the small things that we don't think about. It's like, okay, I understand what it is. I understand how to implement it. But then if I don't practice that, when it comes down to it on game day, all of a sudden I'm going, okay, how was I supposed to say that? And just, you know, continuing to verbalize uh, what we're doing. Yeah, I think
1: we we make it as simple as possible. And I, when I operate on the radio, I try to use as few words as possible. and we we were just talking about you know it's resource loca- or resource, yeah. um, what was it resource assignment location yes, so resource assignment location so engine one on deck alpha site, yep and just make it that simple it doesn't have to be more complicated than that um, then the engine company will know exactly what what they're supposed to do and and go do it and then um, you know once they're on deck and you have an assignment for them same thing resource assignment location
2: yeah it's funny that we keep coming back to the word simple you know it seems like with a lot of things that we're doing nowadays we are simplifying it and i believe we're coming much more efficient at what we're doing by keeping it simple and not over compli, compli- complicating complicating complimenting it. yes not over complimenting the plan complimenting complimenting <laughs> is what you never God. do to me Complicating there, is you in my life. I'm sure, no, complimenting, there has been at least one time in our career since I've worked for you, either when you were a lieutenant or all the way through chief, that I've probably said something nice to you. At least once. I'm an, I would. You know what? Actually, I would put myself in the top 10 nicest guys on the job.
1: I'm not sure you can do that for yourself. Like I, you don't declare I, yourself a nice guy. Other people decide that. You don't.
2: I, I just did it doesn't make it right (laughs) it probably even makes it so far wrong (laughs) Uh, what were you talking about I did have I did have something else that I wanted to mention along with this oh about the terminology oh I think that one of the things that chief Rocco mentioned was he's like we're getting really good as a as a fire department and he mentioned kind of our bread and butter fires, kind of our room and content fires, and what I'm really excited about is I think that we've I, I agree with him. I think we're in a really good place with those, and I think the next steps that we're going to take are starting to look at um, that those incidents growing from a room and contents to the the floor of origin to the building of origin to mm-hmm. you know to bigger and bigger, and. I just think that this is, um, you know, this is a great opportunity, the next stepping stone with using on deck, because that's where we really need it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, and I liked when he was talking about Chief Bird's fire and he said it went perfect. I like to hear him say that it went perfect, and, um, but I've never been on that perfect fire. Yeah, You know, I'm always looking for something that I can do better. Yeah, I'm always looking for input from other people. So, you know, I, I hope that I'm approachable enough that people can come up to me and say, hey, you know, this confused me or that that didn't go so well. I feel like um, so I do that all the time. That's, you need to. You need to. There's a reason for that, and it's well, because you need to do that all the time <laughs> or I'd be fired.
2: Well, here, but here's one thing, though, too. With With the statement that he made, he was speaking about somebody else's... Incident. I mean, sure. he was there as the second NBC. But I'm sure that Chief Bird kind of went back to the station or after after that incident, and he probably had a list of things that he went. You know, it went well, but these are all the things that I could do better because we're sure. our own worst, you know, critics, enemies.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the self reflection piece. Yeah. And I think that's so so critical for us to constantly improve. Yep. Um, none of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes. I make them every day. Um, but. It's, the not, it's not recognizing them or acknowledging them and, and being willing to make the change to be better that's the real problem, not the mistake in and of itself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, with that, I wanted to mention something that I brought up in the Fire Officer One Academy, and this is something that I continue to learn, is that I believe, and I want you to you know, kind of chime in on this of what your thoughts are, is I believe that in the fire, fire service, there is no perfect answer. And by that, I mean the more time we spend trying to make that perfect answer, the more time we're wasting solving the problem. And so instead of trying to come up with that perfect answer, let's make a decision, let's move forward mm-hmm. with that, and when it starts to not work out the way we want it to, we change the decision and move on. It's just something that I felt, um, for me, made made things a little bit smoother on me, is going, okay, my, my answer, my decision is not gonna be 100%, 100 percent right 100 percent of the time
1: yeah and that's the analysis paralysis part right yes Um, we get so bogged down sometimes Mm -hmm. in trying to make things perfect that we're losing the point of why we're making the decision Um, the longer that the fire burns the longer that the the problem um, is occurring and we're not taking steps to mitigate it the worse it could get and so we need to just start headed in the right direction it's the you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time right right every every time you go to one of these fires big or small it's complex enough that you have an elephant and you've got to start somewhere you know so just make that first decision and st- start rolling with it and, and adjust and adapt as obstacles and, and, and things arise that need to be um, adapted to yeah absolutely all right so we talked to chief david rocco yep, and david e rocco we established that and Ken, yeah, Captain Ken Anderson. Um, Captain Anderson found in his test prep class that there was some confusion surrounding On Deck and how to apply it. Um, and since Chief Rocco was one of the primary drivers in adopting this change, uh, we brought the two in and had a conversation about On Deck, and I think it went pretty well. Clarified some things, hopefully for everybody, but for me individually for sure. Um, So without further ado, let's go and do the interview with Chief Rocco and Captain Anderson. So in being a purposeful fire department and doing things with for a reason, and not just doing them for the sake of doing them. I want to talk about, and why we brought you two in here, is to talk about on deck, the concept of on deck, how we do it, why we do it, what's the history of it. Um, so let's start with you, David. Um, give us a little bit of history of how we, where we got this, and how we got to the point where we're at now uh, with the on deck concept.
0: Thanks Chief. So uh, I wrote some notes here and so I'm kind of of read my notes as as they are and so excuse me if I refer back to them. Part of the reason I reached out to the training division was because I saw the last podcast with Brian Lynch and John Roy which I thought was excellent and I like that kind of a broadcast and I think that in my opinion our people especially the newer people will learn more if we more veterans tell them stories or give them examples even that old hey one time or hey old Roddy Bartlett once told me right everyone I think we learn. magazines are great I mean that's fantastic right and articles are good but I think that they learn from it and so I liked what Brian and and John did and so I had been hearing from uh, Ken in his uh, preparation for lieutenant's classes that people weren't familiar with on deck and they weren't comfortable with it yet, uh, and so after seeing that last podcast, I reached out to you all, thinking, "Well, this would be a good podcast. Let's just discuss it." So, um, so that out of the way, um, that was a great podcast, by the way, very well done. I thought very beneficial. Like so professional. Uh, don't go, don't go crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it was good. I mean, I mean, John and Brian were great, and the rest of the crew. I don't know when we um, get <laughs> so.
2: Um, oh, man. You know right. what? It's
1: a
0: good thing we're
2: sitting at a kitchen table. I mean, pretty close to a kitchen table because then we can actually, you know, have a little bit of uh, bantering. Because, oh, all right, we should probably just go on. I'm going to get all emotional. So uh, so
0: On Deck itself, uh, we, you know, we didn't invent On Deck. Uh, Kevin Byrd and I kind of went to Blue Card together years ago. and. Kind of both like some of the features of blue card but CSFD is not a blue card agency as we all know we've never adopted it it's a great communication course it does help you a lot you can take a lot away from a blue card class if you if you want to take one but but we don't require it it's it's just a, it'd be a great to have so
2: the so the answer to the question that's out there right now is are we going to blue card so the answer
0: is no only chief royal could answer that but i bet the answer is no okay Right or Chief McConaughey maybe at this point, but no. I believe the answer is no. But there are good attributes to blue card, and so sometimes you know, we take and borrow and steal from other things that, that work. So uh, I know Kevin Bird and I both years ago worked on this. So no, CSFD is not blue card. Um, what led to it for me, um, besides I liked that side of the structure, was um, I am big on the don't die theory, right? So if you've ever worked for me, and Ken has, um, number one rule, don't die. Don't die, right?
2: Uh, I've worked for you as well, uh, sir. And you've actually told me that, and that put a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if you're, my number one rule is this, and I'm like, okay, that's a lot of added pressure for the day.
0: It is a lot of pressure, but it is the number one rule. Because I think that as Chiefs, Justin and I could solve, I bet you just about anything. I bet you we can at least get you on the right path, but we can't solve dead. No ifs, ands, or buts. We can't solve that one. So don't die. So every year uh, since I've made Chief, we've had a a summer, or I'm sorry, a spring May Day air consumption class um, held by one of my stations. They take turns. Um, One year, Station 3, Lieutenant Rickert and his crew did a fantastic study, survey. They took numbers. They analyzed the scenario. um, And I wanted to know if crews were coming out before Viber Alert right and they did all the stats and they looked up all the numbers and what we found out is i mean a high percentage of the crews worked till vibro alert um remember the drill was working for you and
4: i don't know if this is the same one but in saint francis exactly yeah and the extent of the drill was far more than a four-person crew was ever going to accomplish we didn't know going in that the goal of the drill was to see how often we were checking our air when we communicated that we were on amber and i think almost all of us were at the end of a hallway in a room struggling with a dummy and then all of a sudden our low air is going off.
3: Correct. And we're in a
4: high rise at the end of a hall, right. at least 200 or so feet from a stairwell or a point of egress, right? And now all of a
0: sudden we're out of air. That's exactly right, Ken. So, Thanks yeah. for it. And that's exactly, it was a three story on purpose. They timed it so you could not possibly get the dummy out on a bottle. They, they did a great job. Uh, Lieutenant Rickards Group did a fantastic job. It was perfect. and they proved most crews ran out of air and worked through Vibra Alert, and some crews even said we were trained to work to Vibra Alert, which I don't believe that ever truly happened, but somewhere along, somewhere along the way they got that message. So uh, I started kind of a campaign, although when I was in training, I talked about this briefly as well, was that you should really work on green and leave on amber and never be inside on red. That's That really should be the theory. Now, why is that? Well, because um, Think it from the IC's point of view. If you don't tell me until you're on red that you're on red, you've taken away a lot of my valuable time to get you resources and help you. So in that St. Francis scenario, if you're on the end of that third floor hallway on a Viber Alert and now you call me and say, hey, we're on red, uh, I'm way behind the power curve. right? If you tell me you're on amber, that you're leaving the building, I can get another crew in there to take over for you to pick up where you left off to help get you out of the building because um, amber buys me a whole lot more time than red does well and that's the thing if i'm in the end of that hallway in that room and
4: now i'm on red it took me that much air just to get to that point so, so someone coming to get me now and me sitting there and waiting the time and the air consumption rate
0: is just not going to add up Absolutely, i'm going to be out of air before anyone can find me absolutely right. so now, a problem that CS safety really has is that we're very good, right? We're really good at our jobs, we're super good. Uh, I just listened, I was with uh, Kevin Burr the other day on a fire, a battalion two fire, that I mean, it was, it was about as textbook as a, as a fire could be. It was like bam, 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 done. It was perfect. Uh, I couldn't find a single thing that I thought went wrong. It was just perfect, right? And so for us, you know, we fight a lot of fires on green, put them out on green, search on green, leave on green, have no problems. We never even get into amber sometimes because we just do things really well. And those aren't the things that worry BCs at night. It's the when something goes wrong, you get lost. Uh, Sheetrock falls on you, you get entangled, you suddenly trip and twist your ankle. Something has caused you to no longer be able to stay in there and be as efficient as you were five minutes ago.
2: Can I add to that? Just a real quick story. So um, you remember that Denny's fire that we had over um, kind of threes, ones? Mm -hmm. Um, I was on truck one that day and we went interior to do a search and we searched that entire building because it's, uh, you know, boarded up Uh, Denny's, um, Smokewood. We had some visibility, but we got inside and visibility changed pretty quickly and what really caught me off guard was the amount of time it took us to exit the structure Um, we got called out of the structure uh, by command and it took us a lot longer than i expected just because the the visibility had changed and even though it was a wide open building it just took us i was thinking oh all we're gonna do is walk right out but i bet you we were in there not you know a long time but i bet you at least another 45 60 seconds but that 45 or 60 seconds could have mattered if we would have been you know, low on air.
0: Correct, correct. Uh, and so that's exactly, that, that's exactly the point. When things go normal, not a problem, right? Uh, but when there's a hiccup or it's something out of our norm, we're really good at apartment building fires, we're really good at, at, at single family dwellings, we're, and we are great at those fires. I, I, I really think we are. Are we good at Walmart fires? I don't know. Are we great at high rise fires? I don't know. Uh, we might be. Are we great at, oh, I suddenly fell into the basement and I got to get my friend out fires? I don't know. Right. And so, so um, what I asked my crew then, and I told them is, I just don't want you in there on red. I want you to let me know when you're on amber. Right. Some people say yellow, but it's amber. Right. So, um, <coughs> That leaves a lot of air in your bottle. I mean, amber goes off uh, is basically 3000 PSI, which is a lot of air left. But that to me tells me you can get out safely. If you have a hiccup, you have a problem, we have plenty of time to to take care of it, right? Uh, And so uh, if you wait to red, right, or you're on Vibro Alert when you tell me, I don't have the time now.
4: So Chief, on that point, that amber is a big range. Right, right. or mm-hmm. op says 1,800 to 2,750, that, right. that 2,800. Are you wanting to know as soon as that amber light comes on, so right at that 2,750, right. or are you okay at 2,000, When I'm closer to that
0: 1,800 when it's just the one amber light left, or see, where in that range? That's so. a great question. And to me, there's different ambers, right? Single-family, 600-square-foot bungalow in fours, where it's almost a shotgun house, where you can see the front and the back door if you're standing in the middle of the house. Is not the same amber as the fourth story of the Regency apartments full of smoke and the two apartments were on fire. Those are two different ambers, right? And so I just want you to tell me that you're on amber. Now, I allow, you know, and I think most BCs would, if you call out and go, you know, fire is out, we're overhauling, we just hit amber, let us make that judgment. But we have so many resources in CSFD land. Yeah, Justin. Uh, I wanted
1: to reflect on the the TACOP here it's procedure 100.08 it's the SCBA one and it just says uh, under air management personnel shall advise their officer when their heads-up display reaches AMBER which is what you've requested of your folks right so all you're saying is have those off you, you know as firefighters tell your officer officer tell command hey we're on AMBER and judging on by what you're doing the type of structure Uh, the job that needs to be done so on and so forth Uh, you can decide okay keep working or or pull them out Um, it does say personnel shall exit the IDLH at or above 1800 PSI Um, and then there is an exception and this is kind of the catch-all for everybody so for the person that's saying well I'm just standing at the front door of the house at at, when my amber turns on the exception is uh, you can obtain command approval to operate at less than 1800. Uh, this should be reserved for overall operations after the fire is under control and conditions contributing to collapse and tra- entrapment have been eliminated. So it doesn't say you can't work after 1800. It just says obtain, obtain permission from incident, the incident commander who's trying to run the scene, uh, taking a look at all the environmental um, factors that are going on at the time and let them make that decision and if they call you out and replace you with somebody so be it you get another bottle you go right back in but there is a means there it's not a hard and fast rule like hey you hit amber you got to tell me and that at 1800 you're walking out that door um, well and our
4: world requires a little bit of that flexibility to achieve yeah, Right, absolutely. like the world the world we live in it's giving right. it's situational awareness for the incident commander
0: to make right. those d- appropriate decisions Very true. and when to order additional resources. and Absolutely. Well, that'll, that'll lead into on-deck. But, real, as a quick aside, you know, this policy is under review. Chief Wheeler has uh, worked great with uh, Captain Vaughn and myself on this. Uh, we are trying to update this because if you look at the policy, there's a whole discussion of two-thirds and one-thirds and there's numbers. Uh, and I'm telling you and I'm asking, just go with colors. Um, colors are easy, right? I don't need you doing math while you're trying to fight fire or drag out a victim or find your way to their door. Just give me a color, right? Um, You know, two green, one green, amber, red. That's easy. Then 20, you know, I don't, we don't need math. Um, Just, just give me a color.
1: It's because you're horrible at math. And I'm
0: horrible at math. There you go. And
1: there you have it. (laughs) So,
0: so, um, so that being said, um, if I am asking of you to not be inside on amber, or you know past amber never be inside on red Um, I and this is kind of similar to John and Brian's class if you want to be a master of your craft as an IC you really need to be a master who's thinking about four steps ahead you really shouldn't just be checking boxes and going okay next thing I do is this and then I do that and then I should think about this you should really be thinking four steps ahead and so um, you should know that crews are going to Run out of air because they've drug hose, they've climbed two flights of stairs, they've gone to the roof, whatever they've done. So you need crews to be able to replace them. Uh, if I'm asking you not to stay in past Amber, I have to have a crew to replace you, right? So uh, on deck is, is the best. On deck to me means you are ready to go. You're not, you know, half turned out and don't have your S C B on. You're literally uh, ready to go in. Um, in, in, in any circumstance. Now, um, when you look at on-deck up north or through the Bruins and system, and a lot of northern uh, Denver and South Met and West Met, they all use blue card. Um, and uh, for them, an on-deck crew can do anything, right? And if you know me, I believe that as well. I never want to be handcuffed that an engine can't do truck work and a truck can't do a, an engine work, and vice versa, right? Um, and if you think that through, if we had another Castle West, and there were, I think there were 80 some rescues or something in that. 88. That's for Fred of now. There were 88 rescues. Well, there were. That means there was a lot of crews who couldn't pull a hose, right? And so not. And there weren't. And we didn't have 88 truck companies showing up. So I'm sure someone had to do that. Um, I always want to have that flexibility that I could send engine X to put up the aerial, or truck so and so could pull the hose, right? So I think that's important that you have that flexibility but in our realm we typically have crews that we know rescue can do this kind of job hazmat does this kind of job trucks do this engines do that but an ic should never be handcuffed that a truck couldn't do engine work or vice versa right um i tell some of my people you know if we get multiple rescues and we have multiple vis's engine so-and-so you might be doing ventilation or you might be doing forcible entry or softening a building be prepared for that kind of stuff right inside outside so that being said uh, you know up north on deck can be anybody you know can do any position Uh, for us the most logical on deck crew if you think it through is the first in truck that was rick and is now relieved to be something else because rescue 17 has showed up that makes the most sense to me as an IC. So if I'm sitting in a suburban and I know engine so-and-so has been inside and they've made a basement or they've gone to the second store or they had a heck of a time finding the fire, um, they're going to be out of air quicker than anybody else. Probably so, right? Or that truck company is doing searches or VEIS. Um, they're going to need to replace soon. So there needs to be a crew on deck. More than likely, the most logical first on-deck crew is that truck company.
4: And really chief with that <clears throat> we're really talking about the verbiage we're using right. so i've done that on instance we've relieved that truck mm-hmm. by the rescue and before this came out it was truck so-and-so level one stage in the front yard on the alpha side right, right? that was assigning them an on-deck assignment right without us having this it was well before that was in our absolutely yeah
0: we just changed uh, standby or stage or be ready or whatever we said to just the word on deck right and that means that you as your crew stay together you go to the charlie you go to the alpha you go first floor third division whatever it is you're there ready to be relieved somebody and there is a video that uh, kevin bird and i did and explained you know how you do that you know if if i'm relieving ken's crew then i pass him he says hey we were overhauling over here we searched these apartments over here uh you know we didn't get you know all the insulation pulled. whatever it is we should have that communication he has the ability to come out now rehab uh you know in the blue card system they call it recycle Right, and they call it recycle, where you get a glass, you get a bottle of water, and you get a fresh air bottle. Then you kind of get back in the rotation. We don't use the word recycle either, but that's what a, an IC can do. An IC can switch out their on deck crew, let Ken's crew go outside, get a fresh bottle, get a drink, cool off for a minute, and they can go right back into service wherever they're needed. Charlie's side, third division, wherever it is. So it's just a it's just a constant rotation is all it is. So stop me if I'm getting too
4: far ahead, Chief, though one of the questions we get is, well are we gonna add an additional engine or truck to our two and two or three and three response model that we have now?
0: To to be that on deck for to to account for an on deck crew, yes. and that's not a bad idea at all. Again, probably above our pay grade, but we're at the pay grade. We can start those conversations for sure, uh, and the people above us, you know, can make that final decision. Not a bad idea, though. Not in my opinion. Now, every fire is different. Bread and butter fire, you might not ever see an on deck crew, right? Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I I wanted to add into this. Um, I've heard you on the radio on a few fires recently use on-deck over, you know, multiple times on the same inc- incident. So I'm curious with Ken's question, for those, did you immediately add a second alarm? Did you, I mean, what actions did you take when you started, um, for the last couple fires that you've done, when you started implementing on-deck crews?
0: That's a good question. So a lot of the on-deck that that I think that uh, I utilize, and I'm just speaking for myself, not all the chiefs, just myself. I always plan on that first truck becoming on deck somewhere, where they're going to be needed. A lot of times it's an engine's role, right? That Mm -hmm. engine dragging that first line is typically the most beat up and probably the first one out of air, right? But then as other tasks are getting done, like secondary searches or overhaul, I kind of am guessing ahead as to who next is going to run out of air and I start positioning people to do that job, right? So I'm thinking two or three steps ahead, like, hey, if they're you know, pulling ceiling on the second floor, they got about a good 15 minutes or less of that, and then they're gonna be coming out. And so I'll put who, who just recycled or who do I have ready to go that I can have them ready? Um, and for you, know, for you two, when you become chiefs, uh, it is frustrating when you're calling a your crew and you find out that they're scattered all over the world. Right, Justin, you've seen this before, like one's over there and a couple are over there and you don't even know where they're all at. Oh, we have that with the, at the company level. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I can't even, you know,
2: at, at the chief's level, it's like now I've got the entire incident that's all yeah. over the place.
0: Yeah. yeah. If I get asked for a par right now, do I know where they all yes. are? Exactly. There? So I like to just, just keep that constant movement and that rotation. And what I was the need to, is every fire an on-deck fire? No. Uh, those simple fires where they're like the fire they had the other day I don't know that Kevin Bird would have had time to put anybody on deck just because in the initial I should say in the initial fire attack because they were just so proficient but he had a lot of overhaul to do and so if he was going to create an on-deck group he probably could have put truck somebody um, I think it was four or one he could have put them on the seaside and said hey when uh, engine eight comes out you know you're going to go in and replace them it's just the constant rotation system is all it is to keep fresh crews but the goal is i don't want you doing anything into red right and not even overhaul i don't even want you doing just just simple we work on green we plan on leaving on yellow we should never be inside on red and that's kind of where kevin and i took on deck um and kind of let it down this path and it's just a good resource management, just to keep crews rotating it. And we have enough resources. I mean, some small department that doesn't have a lot of resources, they might not ever have an on deck because they just don't have the people. But we, 9, times out of 10 do. So with that, Chief, and I, I mentioned the
4: adding another company to our response model, when we're teaching people to, you know, preparation for these assessment centers, and when we do the fire officer one, and we're going through size ups and running these fires, we talk about how once every resource is committed or going to be committed, we should be pulling a second alarm as an agency on a single family. We typically do not. Correct. But now we're talking about having on-deck companies, being more proactive about rotating crews through, getting them water, cooling them off, getting them fresh bottles and all those kinds of things. Do you see a shift coming culturally, organizationally where we get a little more proactive about ordering those additional alarms earlier on? So we have those resources available to do some of those things.
0: Well, I can only speak for myself and and, and Justin can definitely chime in. I don't see a problem with you as an IC sizing up how much work there is to do and rotating companies accordingly, but if you think you're going to burn through a few bottles, a second alarm would not be bad. Uh, I know we're not we're not supposed to piecemeal uh, alarms together they always say ask for more and cancel what you don't need but even that you have to be realistic right if there's two incidents going on at the same time you can't deplete the city when all you really need is an engine to come in and help overhaul or another truck to come in and and help overhaul or whatever so you you have to be smart about that too Um, but I would think adding extra uh, apparatus or personnel would be a good call Um, But again, that's just one opinion. I mean, Justin might have his own as well on that.
1: No, I I mean, I I think I do the same thing as, you know, once you're in a position where you've assigned all your companies or you only have one company remaining, you know you're gonna use that company, so be proactive. And again, uh, David talks about, you know, thinking ahead and and we always use the analogy, you know, here we're playing chess, we're not playing checkers, right? We're trying to think one or two or three moves ahead just to make sure we have everything covered. Uh, So if something unexpected happens, we can cover it, you know, and so I I don't I don't see any issue with calling uh, a second alarm early, Um, especially if you through experience can look at an incident and go, yeah, there's going to be a lot of work here, you know, call them in, get them going early and uh, reduce that reflex time and that time you have that you're waiting for that, that resource, which is exactly what on deck crews do now instead of going hey this company over here who's standing by their rig needs to replace this company over here who's in red so they come out because they're on red now we got to wait for the crew to go in there so there's a gap in the work there where if we can reduce that reflex time by going to on deck crews then it's just one walks out and one walks in and it's it's as seamless as as it's ever been uh in the transition of work
2: i think another big benefit of this is it really allows people to or it forces them to keep their head in the game a little bit more too i mean i know we all should but there's been times on you know extended incidents where you know you come out and you're rehabbing and you're not paying attention as closely as you should be but when we give that assignment of you're on deck now everybody knows especially from the company officer um side i like my crew knows okay we are gonna potentially be taking over any one of these upcoming tasks. So we better know where everybody's at so it manages accountability a little bit better and we better know what they're doing in there. So when something does go wrong or when we go in to take over, then we have um, a, a easier transition.
0: Yeah, somebody asked about, is the on-deck crew a RIC crew? Well, fundamentally, no but are they, in, a set, in an essence, an extra set of eyes? Absolutely, right? Yeah. Especially if they're on deck Charlie's side, on deck that side of the building you can't see or the third division or whatever it is, right? Uh, even though they're not officially Rick, they are still there and can obviously identify problems or you know, give oh, warning.
4: And they could very easily be assigned
0: to that rick group if it is true
4: yes, truly a amazing, great, day, right that's right. a
2: great crew to assign to it they're there they're ready to go there's no reflex time um, one of the things I talked to drivers in the driver co- coordinator role about was when you're standing at the pump panel after you've accomplished all the tasks that you need to, you're the lookout. You know, I mean, kind of referring to wildland, it's like you're the eyes, you're an extra set of eyes and ears. Um, you need to be listening to your radio, you need to be um, watching the incident, reading the building, reading the smoke, knowing where everybody's at, because you could be that one that has to, you know, relay some information. Hey, I'm seeing this on the Bravo side um relay that information to command who is you know parked on the on the Delta side. So I think that on deck crew, kind of what you're what you're talking about, Ken, it kind of gives them that ability to be uh, the additional lookout for, for Well
1: and we, we say that the on deck crew can <laughs> any any task, any assignment, be ready for anything and Rick's one of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're not gonna exclude them because they're just standing in the front door and they've been given the tag of on deck. Um, if they need that for that rescue operation they could be assigned that just just as easy as overhaul or fire attack or ventilation or anything else to me it's no
4: different you're at that point of entry fully packed up pack on ready to go for any assignment you could get assigned to and that that rescue group with we know from the you know, the case studies and firefighter fatalities and, and mayday operations that four people on the heavy rescue are very unlikely to perform that entire operation by themselves. Right? right. Typically at least 12 people. So if I have four more fully packed out and ready to go on the alpha side, it's very easy to then assign them to that group. No yeah. different than the not replacing the hose line or anything else. And they have
0: fresh bottles mm-hmm. and in theory, they're a fresh crew or, or a you know, or recycled crew, sure. right? <laughs> yep. Um, Do you mind if I add this? So, just as happenstance was, this morning I woke up, and if anyone else caught it, you probably did. So, New Haven, Connecticut had a line of duty death yesterday. Um, If you go to Firefighter Nation, they have the audio. Uh, So, Engine 6 is in the basement. They're trying to make a basement and a basement fire in a small, average house. It's not a mansion. It's bigger than a bungalow, but it's, it's just a standard East Coast, two-story wood frame with a basement.
1: If you go to look this up and you're listening to it later, May 12th is when the incident happened. So if you're going to go go look that up on Google, look for right. May 12th because you might be listening in June or whatever. So.
0: And so far, I've only seen Firefighter Nation have the actual audio. But uh, they're trying to make a basement. They are not winning. The fire is really, is really beating them. Uh, and so the IC moves uh, engine six from the... Uh, attempting to make the basement to the second floor, uh, they get lost and disoriented, and they basically run out of air in a house. It's a simple house fire, and they run out of air. Uh, and so that's why we're seeing you know, and there were no, you know, this IC has everybody committed. He sends his rescue in to find them, and he's trying to use other resources around them to find them. Um, he has one of them activate, the path, activate their pass device, which really helped, uh, I think it was Engine 4, find them, uh, and that's that's the kind of things that gives BC's nightmares. That is a simple house fire that it just got away from them, you know. Uh, but, you know, had there been on-deck crews outside or they had more resources that, you know, might not have changed the outcome, but I know as an IC, it makes me feel a bit more comfortable that, so when we say, is is on-deck Rick? Not really necessarily, but don't think for a heartbeat that we wouldn't use you and add you to that to that uh, that group real quick if you're on deck.
2: One of the things about that incident that um, really caught me was, you know, I look at CSFD right now, and we have um, a majority of the department has been on for what less than ten years probably, and the ten plus years is getting smaller and smaller and i think with that incident you did have a it was a new company officer and you had a new firefighter that was in there and and that's us i mean there's i look back at when i was a brand new lieutenant a lot of times i was operating with a fourth class firefighter or a medic that was a third class and you know me being a brand new lieutenant at the time it's uh you know that's when I think we really need to pay attention to those things and understand who we're working with, the environment that we're going into, you know, what we have surrounding us, do we have an on-deck company, how can we utilize them, all those different things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's how on-deck kind of came about, you know, and, and I know we're using it more and more and more, uh, and so I hope we dispelled some. Were there any other rumors, Ken? I remember there was a lot yeah, of questions. Yeah, there's
4: some more. Um, One of them I was going to bring up was the other concern I hear people bringing up is that, well, with on-deck companies, the BC is going to pull me out sooner, and I'm not going to get to do as much work, and you know they're going to pull me out right away, and someone else gets to go have fun, right? And I think people don't understand that they get pulled out. That's for them to get a fresh bottle. It's for them to open their coat up, get a bottle of water. But now you become that next on-deck crew, essentially, right? Because you've been recycled or rehabbed you've cooled off you've had some water now you're the one that's going to replace that next group that comes out and you're you're going to continue to get to work on this incident
1: right
4: but i think there's a, a misconception that as soon as that bc pulls me out i'm done and we don't get to do anymore and it's just not the case even with policy it's at least two bottles right, right before we really have to start looking at rehabbing you and those kinds of things but that's the other big rumor I I hear grumbling, you know, oh, well, I'm not going to get to do as That's the TACOP thing,
1: right? Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, that's, you're supposed to let your officer know, the BC know at Amber. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're walking out the door at Amber. Let the, yeah. let, the, let the incident commander decide that based on the fire environment and the fire behavior and the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, it's, you're not necessarily going to come out sooner, but we're going to follow the TACOP. You're going to let the, the you're going to let the incident commander know and let them make the decision based on all the environmental factors that are happening right now on whether it'd be best for you to switch out now so you're ready to go sooner, or uh, we have a crew ready, or, or whatever those factors are. Just let let the BC work it out and don't don't focus on hey I'm I'm getting cheated or I'm getting something less than I normally would because in a normal circumstance, in a normal house fire, you're still gonna work the same amount of time that you did before because that's what the TACOP allows for and that's what the fire uh, environment allows for. So. Yeah, and we're still gonna
4: continue to operate as we would. I just now have a crew ready to go to relieve you. So when you're on the nozzle and you tell me you're on Amber, rather than you getting down to your low air alarm, coming out and mean needing to find a crew to go replace you and meanwhile there's no one on that nozzle, Right. right. And maybe our fire picks back up or whatever else happens in that downtime. I'm just cutting that piece out of it. Correct.
0: And there's different Ambers, right? There's, yeah. hey, we're gathering our tools and we're going to check this one last bathroom and head out versus, hey, there's four more apartments for us to check and we're on Amber. Sure. Those are two different Ambers whatsoever. And I would think to your the notion of I'm going to have less uh, fun times or less fantastic work to do. A lot of our fires are so quick, right, that most Crews never even get to Amber. Yeah. Right? So, by the time you're, that you come out on your Amber, it's either one of two things. That fire is way out, and it's now just overhaul and maybe some secondary searches or something. Or it's such a big incident that this is one of many bottles for you and many Ambers. So, you're going to get lots of fun work to do. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, yeah. you're going back in. We're yeah. going to keep using you. Yes. Yeah
2: want to touch on the just the training side of that um from the kind of reading that amber is I know kind of growing up on this job you know that wasn't always a tool that we had and it was a transition for me and for me to be um efficient at reading the amber it's something that I had to do during um, we do air consumption drills or go out and walk tower stairs and make sure that that is a part of what I do every time it's like ever I'm continuously looking down and, and kind of reading those lights. And I know that's very simple, but I don't know if that's something that everybody's doing out there, but there's a lot of crews doing air consumption drills and what an awesome opportunity. Every time you go do an air consumption drill, have it built into where you're reading and, and verbalizing what your, what your, uh, where your air is at by that color. Yeah,
0: And you know, one thing that I guess I should have brought up earlier, you know, PARS, a uh, few of us are advocates that PARS should be CAN reports. With location and air in color, right? Mm-hmm. So a canal report or an LCAN, or whatever you wanna call that, that really should be. But if you think typically when we get to a par, it's either one of those two events. It's either a dying down event, and the par is really kind of, a lot of the crews are still in the front yard, right there, because they're already outside, or it's a huge event. Either way, that gives us time to switch out crews. So if you give us your color during that par, uh, then we can go, oh, okay, so I gotta get fours out, I gotta get fives out, I got truck here, I got this. It gives us time to switch out crews as well. Um, and if you think, why do we do PARs at 20 minutes? A couple of reasons, right? Because theoretically, certain construction collapses at 20 minutes, and that's various. the average people have an air bottles 20 minutes. For the most part, right? And so that's why we do 20 minute bars. So so if you tell me you're amber at twenty minutes, I'm looking at going, well, all we have left is overhaul and uh overhaul. Well, I'll pull you out and I'll send him in, right? And that that makes that makes really good. So that's why we have some on deck crews ready to make those changes. And not
1: a single crew is going to complain about that. <laughs> it's overall, <and> go, yeah. <laughs> oh, I got six hours of it's overhaul good.
2: after it's this four minute <laughs> <laughs> firefight? Awesome. <laughs> yeah. This is gonna be a great night. Um, uh, one more thing about the training thing, um, and this is kind of looking back at you know my time um, being a company officer on the line and then coming to training is I look back now and I think one of the places I could have done better on the line was training for the events when things go wrong. Um, I think I spent a lot of time as a company officer training to do everything right, but I don't think I put enough into what's our emphasis emphasis what did yeah. I I almost said something else yeah.
1: emphasis we'll have to edit that out anyway it wasn't a word we can say good, according because I, to the FAA good. <laughs> no FCC, FCC. <laughs>
2: but I don't think I put the emphasis into making a routine of hey we're doing this we're making this hose stretch we're making the search and something went wrong and then reacting to that um, and, and one of the things that really when I was listening to uh, going back to like the whole Bin Laden raid and when the SEALs um won, one of their helicopters went down and you listen to the communication piece for that and who was it McChrystal or I'm sorry I should know but whoever the decision maker was in that made it sound like nothing was going wrong and it has to be because the amount of training that those guys put into doing what they do and you know they had a helicopter crash and he went you know, whatever the words were, hey, we have a problem, but we're doing this. And, you know, I look back and go, I wish that, or I hope that, you know, in the future I want to continue to make that, when things go wrong, a bigger part of what the training plan is.
0: Well, if you listen to the New Haven uh, audio, the one that's the actual dispatch, so at some point he tells engine uh, nine, I believe it's engine nine, to go from that basement spot to that second story. And then the May Day, I'm going to guess, and I didn't get the chance to time it, I'm guessing it's within the three minutes. So basically, basically walking up the stairs, somehow they got disoriented, it was just that quick of a deal. It wasn't like they were in there an extended amount of time. Uh, it was a real simple action, going from point A to point B, those two firefighters get lost and disoriented on something that would seem pretty routine, right? Going from one spot to another. But whatever went wrong, went wrong, and you know they, they got lost and ran out of air. My, my, what I was going to get to is
4: not only lost and disoriented, but they just changed assignments, changed floors in the house, yes. locations, exactly. everything, and ran out of air pretty quick subsequently thereafter. Yeah. So we talk more about, on the BC level with our company officers, when we're changing assignments or changing locations, that should key us. To look at our air and yeah chief i understand what i'm on amber right now right i'd like to get fresh bottles before we move to the third floor Correct. right or oh, come on out get a fresh bottle my on deck company is going to come up and take that third floor assignment and, right. and they did
2: yeah they didn't just go in and come back out i mean if you're saying they switched from the basement to the top floor you know i look at uh, my denny's incident and after that my rule of thumb was It's probably going to take me twice as much time to get out as it as it takes me to get in you know just kind of use that as a rule of thumb so not only did they go into the basement but now they went from basement to the top floor which they have no idea they don't have a a a quick you know exit strategy so that you know what do you do to that quadruple the time that you that you think that it's going to take you to get out well it's
4: like that saint francis drill i was talking about it took me to red to get there I should have never found that last victim. Should yeah. have never even got close to it. Yeah. Right. But we got there. Now we're on red, but we're going to win this drill. We're going to drag this dummy out. Is that realistic? Working with yeah. 1,800 pounds of air? There's no way. Right. You know?
1: So the the nomenclature or the words that we use to assign on deck, is there a specific thing that we need to say? Um, how have we determine how we're going to tell people that they're going to be on deck?
0: I think what we decided, and what was in that video that Kevin Bird and I did, was basically it's just that you're on deck and the location, and when you're activated to replace somebody, that that those two officers should talk. So if I assign Josh to on deck, Alpha side, to replace Justin White, uh, who was interior, is now on amber and needs to come out, then you two should meet at the front door of the office side or wherever, and he should tell you the pass along things so that you can just go in and assume what he's already been doing or started. Um, so it's pretty simple, just the location. Uh, the key is though, is that you should talk to the person you're replacing if at all possible. It should be possible because you should be in passing. Right. So that's the key is to get that. Where were you? You know, which which apartment did you stop at? What's left to overhaul? Um, You know, where do you need me to work? That that should be part of that 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 pass off.
1: Yeah.
2: When you're saying that, I'm kind of visualizing playing that out. And to me, the the easier way to do that would be if we could get that company to come in you know, and and relieve in so you can actually point out if visibility is good and the situation's right, like this is where we're working. So then we're not going in and spending four minutes trying to figure out, okay, is this the right room? Is this the right wall? Is this, you know, so just kind of adding to that communication piece is, can we get companies together in the right place to make that more efficient?
0: Yeah, and the the only complication that would probably be big box, which we don't have a a lot of big box fires, but big box could be a complication. And high rise, just to organize where that would be, right? North stairwell. Meet me in the mezzanine. Meet me, you know. Yeah. Meet me in the fire attack stairwell. Whatever it is, we've we've identified um, that would be in your right. You know. So if we're if we're gonna switch on the ninth floor, the ninth division, then maybe we meet on the you know eighth floor balcony or whatever, yeah. or the fire attack stairwell, eighth floor, whatever it is. So on deck.
2: <laughs> so on deck, we're not right now. We don't have on deck um, put into the high rise policy. So on deck is not a part of that undex
4: only so far in an ops memo it hasn't been worked into all of the structure fire and irise and such policies yet
0: revising policies is a longer process right? and most people realize it's yeah. it doesn't it never happens overnight we never change a policy overnight uh, and so i'm sure at some point when everything catches up um, it will be updated uh, but it's just you know, there's a lot of policies to update all the time so
2: Well, i think this is great discussion um i think we just need to have more of it at the kitchen tables um, out on the drill ground just implementing it as part of our kind of our routine especially when now that we're back into multi-company training again and we're out uh, training with our sister companies that's a great opportunity to talk about it or at least start verbalizing it and and uh, getting more familiar with it
1: sure and i think just over time we're going to get used to it and it'll be just you know another way that we operate um, not a big deal. So it's digest, digesting the change and uh, getting used to it and seeing how it fits within our operations. And, and once we figure that out, it'll all, all come together. Okay. All right, guys. Yeah. Yep, thanks a so lot. Thank you. Okay, welcome back, everybody. That was our interview with Chief David Rocco and Captain Ken Anderson uh, discussing On Deck and its new integration into our TAC Ops uh, for more or less the seamless transition between work groups. You know, you need one person that's doing salvage. You need someone to continue with salvage. You cut that gap in between, it becomes more efficient and and a smoother operation overall, uh, ending up in just a better operation for everybody, I think.
2: Yeah, we had a really great conversation. Um, I thought Chief Rocco and Captain Ken Anderson did a a really good job. They've been discussing it for a long time, um, coming out of the test prep classes. And one of the big things that, that I appreciated about this was not only are we looking at our lieutenant testing processes or captains, drivers, and learning some really great things, but now we've implemented the um, prep classes and we're getting good information on that that allows us to continue to progress as a as an organization
1: sure and as a training division I think our our ability to tell how well we're doing our job is how successful are we are the people are around us um, so when we give those test prep classes and we don't nearly have the people Uh, making those critical mistakes and not making lists and being successful in that process that that does well for our training division I like I like that we can provide that type of education for people that that they desire and and it'll help them moving forward into their career so that career development piece yeah absolutely
2: And, and uh just being in here I think when I left the line and came to the training division that was around the time we were implementing the on deck so I've been a part of On Deck, but I haven't had a chance to actually use it. But like I mentioned in, in the, uh, uh, the podcast, listening to specifically Chief Rocco use it on incident, it flows very well and it seems to um, set those crews up for you know that um, very quick reflex time of getting the next crew in and taking over.
1: Sure, sure. And, I, and like I said, I think it, it makes us smoother, it makes us more professional. Uh, everything about it works and it's really easy. Uh, there's nothing complicated about it. It doesn't cost a lot of money. There's no reason we shouldn't do it. Um, it just it just works well. And when stuff works well we should use it whether it's ours that we created or, or someone else did. If it works well for for us as, a, as an organization then uh, more power to it. Alright before we go today we're going to do our normal segment which is Meet CSFD. Um, obviously this week we're going to meet David Rocco and Ken Anderson um, of the CSFD who have some interesting tales to tell about how they got to this point where both very interesting people about where they come from neither of them are local um, and it's always interesting to learn a little bit about people and where they come from and uh, so we can get to know each other a little bit better so let's go to meet CSFD with Chief David Rocco and Captain Ken Anderson.
4: All right so I'm Ken Anderson I'm captain here in the training division um, after high school, I went to the Forest Service for about seven years. I spent time on both engines and crews, and I was fortunate enough to come here to the CSFD about 14 years ago. And spent about five years as a firefighter. I made driver, I went downtown to ones. Spent about five years there. I made lieutenant. I went to force for about a year, year and a half, and then I came to training. Took the training lieutenant position. Learned a lot doing that. Running our recruit academies and I was fortunate enough to promote just a couple months ago to captain and elected to stay in training
1: Uh, well I appreciate you staying
4: No, it's, it's, you know, it's been good for the transition. And Did we make an offer of you couldn't that. refuse? Yes. It's kind of yeah,
1: the training it. division's kind of blood in, blood out, right? I was going to yeah. say,
2: the offer you can't refuse, hey, you're staying an extreme here. Right? <laughs> <I>, you can't <laughs> refuse that. It's just and this I, is what you're doing. I, I tell people I'm not
4: allowed out when they ask about my program commitment until Chief White leaves.
1: Yeah. I said
2: that when he leaves, I'm allowed to leave, but until then, I'm, there you I'm go. committed, so that's there what my go. program commitment is before you go on can you like you mentioned the Forest Service but what you didn't say is that you were part of a hotshot crew so which which crew were you
1: uh, I spent
4: four of my oh. seven years on El Carrizo in the Cleveland in Southern California
1: yeah. So, yeah was that the same crew that Tony Seely was on Tony was on Laguna he was
4: uh, same forest different district he was further south okay closer to San Diego okay border.
1: Yep. good job thank you David E. Rocco.
0: David E. Rocco, uh, battalion chief. Uh, I was once upon a time a military firefighter. Uh, I did that for five years. Uh, I got involved in a little thing called Desert Storm, which extended my visit in the military. During that time, I took Colorado Springs tests purely for practice because I was gonna go back east. And I was the last person they hired. a week before I was actually going to move back east. So I was that person. <laughs> Greg Segura mm-hmm. and I were the last two people, same exact story. He just had gotten out of the Navy and I had just gotten out of the Air Force. And that was 30 years ago. So I've been here for 30, military for five. I've also been a volunteer firefighter in my past and a combination department firefighter. Um, and I worked for A1 ambulance uh, and AMR ambulance for about 10 years as well. Um, I was a lieutenant. We're a paramedic I've been, I am a paramedic um, still a paramedic since 97 um, a lieutenant and then captain and then lucky enough to make chief about I guess 4 years ago or so now
2: Once again I feel like we had a really good conversation with them um, it's it's great to get our people in the studio with us and talking about the you know real world experiences that they're having you know and, and not just on the fire ground we've had some good conversations about um you know the our, our lives in general i feel and um it's just nice to to have our people coming in and wanting to be a part of this and and uh, kind of spread the the word and messages that we're trying to touch
1: on absolutely and that brings us right to our, our point that we bring up every podcast if you have a topic that you'd like to talk about go ahead and get in contact with anybody in the training division uh, you can either participate with us or we'll develop it on our own. Some people don't like to get behind the microphone. Um, they're a little microphone shy, and that's completely fine. But there's uh, there's relevant things out there that you all are talking about that we should talk about, that we should pr- spread across the job. And so to do that, bring us those topics, and we'll we'll get a podcast out there for us. Listen to the podcast. Spread the word about the podcast. It can be found on all major podcast platforms. Uh, Apple Podcast, Android, um, Spotify—all those—all those platforms. Please go take a look for it. Search for CSFD Productions. Um, it'll pop up. It's, it's our patch. Uh, when you get to the logo, click on that. Um, listen to the podcast. Um, Hit the notifications button if you can so you know when all the new ones are coming subscribe do all that happy stuff to make this successful if you're enjoying it um, we appreciate your support and again those who aren't listening to it get it get the word out so we can get get more listens we've been fairly successful for so far we're hitting about you know at least a third of the department with each episode and we'd like to spread that across the whole job uh, we're going to go out the door today with a little bit more music Raj is our artist this week. He's a hip-hop artist, um, titled as kind of a Christian rap hip-hop, but regardless of the theology behind it, it's just good music, and that's why I picked it out this week. He's from Orlando, grew up in Virginia and Maryland, and actually went to Full Sail University, which um, our very own Luke Prusing, that's his alma mater, so... Luke, you've got a fellow alum out there that's doing some good work. He actually got his degree in uh, recording arts and graphic arts, so he's a visual artist first, and then while he worked for a record company, they discovered that he could rap and then signed him to um, a contract uh, under their label. He's since become an independent artist, um, so he's out there trying to make hay the best he can in, in the independent world, so if you would go to Um, artlist.io, and type in Deraj, which is D-E-R-A-J. You can find his music, or you can go to his website, which is justderaj.com, so J-U-S-T-D-E-R-A-J.com. This song is changed, and it's from his album called Fight. So enjoy the music. We're headed out the door. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time.
2: And goodbye.
3: Oh, yeah. Pardon yeah. 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 Uh, me in my tongue You can't step to my throne They ain't working like me I did this on my own You asking where we been huh? I don't know where to begin huh? All this dirt on my skin I just came here to win I'm more than a man, I'm a monster Somebody call past the pastor doctor Got a six-inch four paster, so now I'm coming for the whole roster. It's not a game, why you playing with me? You could double back, lose track, try and hang with me. It must be in my veins. Something you can't tame, cause I break the chains. Can't control me. I got the power, I got the keys. Cause I break the chains. They try to hold me. Just waiting your feet Please oh. excuse me, your honor, your honor But you can't hold me no longer, no longer. Can't you feel the vibrations Vibration. I broke out and left traces oh. Go ahead, try, catch me if you can, man You'll be looking all night, I'm a man. New York, London to Japan I'ma show sort the of whole world who I am Boom, boom, boom. Major look, huh? Yeah, this one is for the books All these chances I took, still I move straight on these rooks now Hold me up or hold me down, uh Have my back or hold my crown Either you with me or not But you better give all you got Cause I break this chains Can't control me I got the I got the keys Cause I break the chains They try to hold me I don't push back Just wait till you see mm-hmm.